a Cybersecurity Monday as we look forward to a tech-heavy week. Motley Fool Money starts now. Welcome to Motley Fool Money. I'm Deidre Willard here with Motley Fool analyst David Meyer. David, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you're a longtime Fool analyst, but you haven't been on the podcast for a while, so I'm happy to rectify that. And I'm excited to have you on today because we've got a lot of business to business tech companies reporting later this week and one that reported last week that uh, we're going to focus on. But looking forward this week, we've got NVIDIA, of course, the big one, but we've got Zoom, Snowflake, we've got some others reporting this week. When I think about business to business, uh, I want to think I want to look at customer growth, customer spend. What else should we be looking for? So, first of all, you're spot on uh, for every business. We want to we want to look at those things, right? Because those are that yeah. that's where the cash flow comes comes from. Especially right now, one of the things that has been very important over the last 12 to 18 months is are these companies comment, making comments about the sales cycles? So during COVID, uh, when everyone thought that uh, work from anywhere was going to be the, the new way, uh, the new normal, if you will, they spent a lot of money. Uh, but as, things, as the macro economy has changed, um, some companies are pulling back their budgets uh, in, in response to what's what's happening. So, any time the first thing we're going to do is we're going to figure out what is what is the current commentary about the sales cycles. Are they still lengthening? Are are customer deals getting pushed out? Things like that. The next thing we're going to look for are margin profiles. So one of the things that since growth has slowed across the board. Um, many companies early in this process made the switch to saying, you know what, if we're not going to be growing, we're going to make sure our margins are expanding because uh, that's going to lead to increased profitability and increased cash flows, which a lot of these comp- tech companies, especially smaller ones, weren't really promising a couple of years ago pre-COVID. They were just all out growth. We're going to get big. We're, gonna, we're going to grow. We're going to worry about uh, margins and profits and cash flow later. But right now, the, the, the game has changed. And Investors want to know, hey, when are you? If you're not profitable, when are you going to be profitable? If you are profitable, how profitable are you? How much cash flow are you generating? So those, that's where my focus is going to be as uh, as these companies report. Yeah, companies are in their fiscal responsibility era. All of a sudden, it's not about <laughs> like, oh, we need to, we need for look how we're growing now. It's like, but look how we're cutting. Uh, yes, and the, the the thing that they are trying to communicate to investors is scale. Because before, when you're just growing, you're like, okay, that's great. Invest for growth. But we also, at some point, investors want to know, can you turn that growth into profits? And that's what scale, uh, if, if they're doing it correctly, that's what scale will bring investors. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to talk about a specific company because... Palo Alto Networks. They they announced their reporting on a Friday night after hours, and for like the entire week, the the whole market was like, uh oh, everybody's raising an eyebrow that the stock goes down. Everybody's a little bit worried. They report on that Friday, and it was a looks like a very good quarter for them. They apologized for a little bit of, it, of all the drama on the earnings call because it was not about anything bad to report. It was good. Revenue was up twenty five percent. It seems like they're they're solid. Why did they do that? And also, what what does Palo Alto Networks do? 
So yeah, so let's, let's address the Friday afternoon thing uh, head on. Over time in this business, if you have something bad to say and you don't want a lot of people to see it, you send it, you send it to the, to the, uh, to the newswire at five o'clock on a Friday. Cause most everybody mm -hmm. is not in the office. So, yeah. so yes. Yeah, so the first reaction mine too was like, oh my goodness, they have something bad to say, but you're right. It, that that's, that's not what happened. I'll, t I'll tell you what they do. And then I'll tell you why they, what, or at least what management says they were thinking in making that decision. So Palo Alto is uh, a leading cybersecurity uh, firm. Um, what they have done over time is uh, they started out focusing on firewalls, basically traffic moving in, into, into and out of um, uh, a business's networks. And they have transitioned themselves through um, to product development, as well as a lot of acquisitions into a one-stop shop for all security products. Um, the CEO, uh, Nikesh Arora, who joined in 2018, put the, put the company on this journey. Uh, there were a number of rough patches <laughs> along the, along that five year journey, but uh, it looks like they're they're really starting to hit their stride right now. Um, one of the benefits of that is, especially when you're dealing with uh, big enterprises, if you have a full suite of products that you can present to uh, a potential customer, that's that, yeah, that's great. That means that they don't have to go on different sales calls. They don't have to go, uh, they can make, make hopefully better choices more quickly, assuming that the products being offered are good. So it turns out what Palo Alto wanted to do was actually go through a, a, uh, a look forward presentation in addition to reporting on their earnings and having the Q and a, so that was the, so that was the emphasis of doing it on a Friday afternoon which to me still does not make sense. If you want people tuning in, do not do it on a Friday afternoon. Right. I thought that too. And I mean, the reason they said they did it was because I guess they've got a sales conference uh, that was on Sunday. So they wanted to, they didn't want to have things out too, too far ahead. And as you mentioned, it was not your traditional earnings call. Uh, I sort of watched it on Saturday morning. I was expecting your regular earnings call. Instead, this is a two and a half hour uh, video <laughs> event. Very, very well produced. Yep. Uh, 134 page presentation. This was part earnings, but mostly it felt like a, a like an investor day to me. It felt like a, a pitch for a lot of the things they were doing, including their move to real time cybersecurity. Yes, uh, you're you're exactly right. That the if 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 they had uh, planned a separate investor day, the back half or your the back three quarters of the presentation that they put together, that would have been it. And you know. We'll we'll see if they do this again. My guess is they won't, because unfortunately, you have when you're giving a long a presentation about what you expect to do going forward. There's lots more questions. Uh, you know, a lot of investors are going to say, you know, question, hey, you know, what are you what are you doing here? Why are you doing this? Tell me more about, you know, what's happening in the marketplace. Those those types of questions, which which need time. Don't don't try to compress it on to the back half of an earnings call. Just go through your earnings call, have your conference, have your investor day. I think they would have. Uh, I think their PR department is going to uh, make make some changes, but we'll see. Well, and especially after seeing the way the stock reacted bef before the call, because everyone was afraid of what to expect. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, optics matter here. And again, the five o'clock, you know, five o'clock on a Friday afternoon press release is not good optics. No, but I think it's interesting what they're trying to do with the the real time security. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense. They talked about it, how, you know, so much of the security that uh, cybersecurity that they're doing now is catching threats after they happen or, you know, trying to prevent them, but not being able to do that, like real time, something's happening, mobilize the troops kind of thing. And it seems like that they really see that this is where AI comes in for them. Absolutely, um, and there are a few uh, there are a few firms out there in the space who have been pushing in this direction. So, one, it's completely logical that a company uh, like Palo Alto, who again wants to be a one stop shop, is also moving more strongly in this direction. Let's let's be clear; they've been. They have been doing this, but maybe not at the scale that they have wanted uh, that they want to do going forward. But yes, um, attacks, no matter where they come from, where they originate, um, you know, the the idea is to sniff them out as quickly as possible by analyzing data, figure out what the right remedy is to uh, to neutralize them learn from it, and then be, be able to do it even quicker again. And I cannot think of a better application for artificial intelligence and machine learning than, than that right there. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that they talked about on the call was platformatization. They they used it over and over. As I understand it, you know, think about platformatization uh, as, a, as a larger thing in tech. It's sort of we used to just be selling single services. Now companies are really selling a bunch of products. You know, Zoom is doing this. We're going to talk about them after hours tonight. I'm sure we'll talk about it on the podcast tomorrow about the platform, the things that they're trying to put together. So it feels to me like everybody's saying they're a platform. And when everybody's saying they're something, I tend to be like, maybe. So <laughs> what do we want to look for with Palo Alto, Palo Alto Networks and others to know if the strategy is working? Is it is it customer spend? Is it recurring revenue? What do we look for? It's good that your spidey sense was uh, was is working because there are, <laughs> the, platforming has actually been a buzzword for, for quite a while, but but it's actually important. Because again, if you can, if you can bring a suite of solutions, and it doesn't matter if it's necessarily just in cybersecurity, but it makes sense there. Um, if you can bring a suite of solutions to a customer um, that basically accesses your platform and gets and gets you know all of its access, whatever it decides to purchase through that one channel. Um, that's a that's a good thing. It's a good thing for everybody. So, how do we want to evaluate it? Well, I think the first thing that we want to do is make sure that the company in question um, is is spending heavily on research and development to make sure that its platform stays stays up to date, if you will, as well as is expanding the number of opportunities that are available. Um, so uh, along the recurring revenue um, uh, that you mentioned earlier, uh, we want to look for billings growth as well. So essentially, once you've signed contracts, you get an idea of, of uh, when the revenue can be recognized, i.e. the billings. And so billings are a precursor to, to uh, revenue. Hopefully, they, those two things should be moving in tandem. And, and again, what billings does, it, it gives 
um, investors uh, uh, look forward to say, okay, you know, or is is the company expected? Is performance expected to come in? Uh, you know, strong? Is it starting to weaken? What's going on? So it's a good indicator. One other thing you want to do from a platform standpoint is look at retention. So most companies are not giving you the churn number, that churn being people who have left the platform uh, right. to, uh, um, to, to, to try to find a different solution. But what, what you're seeing, what you have seen, what you will continue to see is, is called dollar-based net retention. And what that is, is it combines not only are people coming and going, so adding new customers, losing customers, but also it's a measure of our customers that you currently have spending more with you. So if you see a number that's greater than 100%, what that means is even though some percentage of customers left, the current customers are buying more from you. And so it, it's a, a, another me- another uh, measure of health, if you will, of the um, of the platform. And the last thing, if a company provides it, not everyone, not each one, each one doesn't provide it, but some do, is a cohort analysis. So cus- companies bring in a certain m- number of customers each year. So you have the, the 2019 cohort, the 2020 cohort, et cetera, et cetera. And they, what you want to see is what, how are the, what are the spending patterns of those groups of customers? And if they're going up and to the right, that's another, uh, another sign that the platform is healthy. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the cohort analysis. I, I don't see that one reported too much. I see the the customers grouped in terms of how much they spend. That everybody wants to talk about that Correct. and how their large customers are doing. Not not that many of them want to talk about the specific cohorts. Once in a while, you'll get it. You'll get it. And as a as an analyst, I absolutely appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it, it does. It gives you it gives you a specialized window. Sure. Yeah. Well. So the cybersecurity business in general, it's had this massive run-up in recent years. I mean, obviously, you know, the headlines keep growing. We see these attacks, and everybody gets scared. We know that the big big companies they really have to have this, but and of course, like we just said, they talk about the big spend with the larger. But what about the smaller companies? Is this something that like we're just going to have? Is it? Like with a company like Palo Alto, are they just selling more things to the bigger customers, or are they also looking at smaller and smaller customers as well? So, uh, a great question. Um, if the, one of the paradoxes is, as a company uh, becomes a leader and gets bigger, um, it it has to allocate its sales dollars, uh, its dollars to its sales force as effectively as it can. And the best way to do that, unfortunately, is to move up in terms of try to move up in terms of the size of the deal. So it's not that they're ign- it's not that they're going to be ignoring smaller customers or customers who aren't going to come in, you know, with a ten or twenty million dollar, you know, signing a ten or twenty million dollar deal up front. Going back to what we were talking about, the platform, a company like Palo Alto should have a set of offerings that are tailored towards uh, smaller companies. And maybe they don't necessarily have a sales force that um, helps with them. Maybe there's a self-serving, uh, a self-serve sales channel that uh, that can help bring that customer in, and then hopefully 
as that as their spending grows, then they can get an account manager uh, dedicated to it, then a de then Salesforce to see what they're figure out how to best serve their needs as they grow. So you're never going to you know you're never going to completely ignore potential sales dollars, but the reality is for custom for companies like Palo Alto that are you know this is this is almost a seventy five billion dollar company. They they're they're going to focus on more. Of their investment dollars on uh, larger deals, and figuring out how to um, you know get those existing companies to spend company customers to spend more uh, of, of their budget with Palo Alto. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you talked earlier about that longer sales cycle that we definitely saw other companies talking about. It seems like that is going to continue maybe for for a little while because there still is that sort of lingering question with with B2B companies. They know they need to spend, but they're also they're trying to figure out what's happening. The economic numbers are they're wishy-washy. They're a little bit uncertain. Some companies are not quite sure how much they should be spending. I think you're exactly right. And again, as someone who follows this space, this 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 has been a, a, a something that every management team has commented on. And if we look at the billings uh, in the fourth quarter uh, for Palo Alto, they actually grew a little bit uh, slower than the than their revenue did. So it is an indication that it looks like at least you know Palo Alto is still in a hey there's some say I haven't gone through the call completely yet but it looks like they're you know they're still in the mode of hey some customers uh, may need a little more time to uh, um, to to sign a deal the other thing is if you again Palo Alto uh, was very quick to point out that the number of 10 and 20 million dollar deals grew significantly more quickly than the, than smaller deals so if you're a CEO in this environment, and basically you probably need your signature uh, in order to sign off on a ten or twenty billion dollar deal, if it takes another month, right? That's that <laughs> they're going to do that. So I won't read too much into the billings number because of the environment, but it's good to understand. This is why it's important to understand the context. You know, if you, if you what uh, get get into the numbers, figure out what's going on in the environment, figure out if it makes sense what the co uh, company is reporting, and then you can look forward as an analyst and figure out if it's a if it's a a good deal or not. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, cybersecurity. There's a bunch of players, including CrowdStrike, uh, Zscaler. They all went up a little bit on the Palo Alto news. So, thinking about the space as a whole, are they? It seems to me, as as an outsider, it seems like they're competing for the same business. Maybe they have slightly different angles. Like I know Zscaler is all in on zero trust. Palo Alto has some zero trust too. If you're an investor, are you trying to figure out who's going to be the big winner? Is there going to be a big winner? How do you how do you think about cybersecurity as as an investment sector as a whole? So that is an excellent question. Um, if I'll, I'll take you real quick uh, backwards, you know when Palo Alto started, it focused on the firewall, which was the most important thing at the time, and gradually it shifted with the market as new needs uh, for cybersecurity presented themselves. So back, you know, back in the early days, you couldn't necessarily predict. Where Palo Alto was going to be ten years down the road, because no one knew what the mar you know, no one knew what the threat environment was going to be like. Right. Um, so 
picking winners versus going with leaders. It really depends, I think, on what uh, what an individual portfolio needs. You know, if so, if, for example, if if there's no cybersecurity in someone's portfolio and they are just looking for it, Palo Alto is a great way to you know a great company to consider. Again, they're 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 focused on a platform approach. They have a wide variety of products that you can uh, um, you can benefit from because their addressable market by um, having products that um, go after those markets is enormous. So if they can continue to do what they're doing, you know maybe it's not you know the maybe it's not the ten baggers or in a in a compressed time frame. But you can get a good uh, um, you can get good exposure to the industry and you know generate hopefully generate a good return uh, as Palo Alto performs. But you're exactly right. If you if you're looking for a winner or an individual name, first of all, you need to understand what it is that company does, right? So if it's CrowdStrike, you're looking at the endpoint market. If it's Zscaler, you're looking at the cloud market. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, what well, you know are the, are those two companies leaders? Who who are companies that are trying to disrupt them? That's when you might be able to say, hey, what you know, Sentinel One is actually trying to change the way that endpoint protection is is done. So if depending on what your portfolio needs, again, you can go for a leader, you can go for a disruptor. Um, but the 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 good thing, if this is a good thing. Is there these companies will there will always be demand for these companies' products? We know there's always threats. Somebody's always trying to hack somebody because there's money to be had, and when there's money to be had, people do things. And Correct. so, so is it just this? Is this is this a game that goes on forever? You've got the the, the bad guys constantly trying to get in. You've got the the. the hired guns constantly trying to protect. Hired guns keep having to hire. You know more hired guns as the as the attackers try different things is this just a game that goes on forever i i, I think so uh, the 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 reason is is there's a huge incentive on both sides unfortunately yes, whether true. you're you know whether you're the attacker or the attack e is that the right, is that the right word to use <laughs> yeah. uh, or you're being attacked um, yes the the, the behavior in this particular instance, is absolutely being driven by the incentives, and the incentives are, you know, if I get smarter and figure out how to create new attack vectors, then I can perhaps penetrate into systems and you know cause some havoc and try to extract slash extort money from the system. Um, what's interesting. At, if, okay, so again, let's 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 in, instead of taking a step back, let's let's take a let's move higher and look down on the industry. Um, we are we are become we as a, a global uh, this is a global phenomenon. We we are more becoming more and more dependent on data every day. We're not we're not going backwards, right? We're not going to become less dependent on data. No. So the more network connections there are the more data up you know data that's being moving around the system the more there's actually you know more opportunities being created for these attackers to go after right just because of the the innovation on one side to try to make business try to make better business decisions or try to do business faster is actually perversely creating a, a more of an incentive for the attack vectors to come in 
So the answer, I think, if we play that out, right, is it's just going to be back and forth. And on the attacker side, if, if, you're, if you innovate and figure out a new vector that, that you know, gets you a short-term win, you're going to get your payoff, and then the industry will figure out how to, you know, how to deal with it, right? That's what all those companies are trying to do. And the next ingenious attacker will try to figure out the next one, and so on and so on. It just keeps going on. Well, thank you for breaking that down with me today, David. Oh, my pleasure. This was a lot of fun. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Deidre Woolard. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.